With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 39 of the On The Banks podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And, of course, you can find all of our episodes by going to onthebanks.com. You know, I know I usually start off giving my thoughts about whatever the topic is my guest covers, maybe coaches or, or even plays. But for this episode, I'm, I'm going to scratch all that. You know, this is our end of the year Rutgers review episode. And yes, I understand it's only May, but the athletic year is over. The 2018-2019 athletic year is over. And we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about it from the beginning of the fall to now the end of the spring season and what's ahead for Rutgers in the 2019-2020 year. And of course, joining me to break down this past athletics year is, of course, the managing editor of On the Banks, Aaron Brayman. Aaron, as always, thank you so much for joining me and, of course, coming on the podcast. And it's been, I think, somewhat of an up-and-down year for Rutgers Athletics. Thanks, Lance, for having me. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, you've done an amazing job uh, all year with this. And uh, it's amazing that the the year is is pretty much over uh, school year wise. And um, yeah, it's definitely been an up and down year. But I think if you look at it from uh, at least since I've been uh, with on the banks, it's been four seasons now. This is definitely the the, the most highs we've had. Uh, and I think there's a lot of encouraging things that have happened and uh, obviously some disappointments along the way. But um, all in all, I think, uh, you know, this year paved the way to better better years ahead. And, you know, before we get to what happened, the highs and lows, as Aaron mentioned, um, you know, I just want to mention it's crazy that not only has this, this athletics year uh, gone by uh, so fast, obviously, but it was about a year ago today that Aaron reached out to me to discuss first doing a podcast. You know, we've had some really great guests on these past 39 episodes. Todd Frazier of the Mets, Deron Harmon of the Patriots, Anthony Ashnault and Nick Suriano in their first sit-down interview after winning national titles. Coach Peichel, Coach O'Neill, C. Vivian Stringer, Coach Goodell, and of course so many others. And of course I want to thank everyone that I mentioned and of course those I did not mention uh, for coming on because couldn't have done the podcast without all these great guests and of course thanks to you Aaron for reaching out to me and uh, it's been a fun year for the podcast and I'm you know really excited for the guests that we are going to have um, in the next year and I'm really excited to see what Rutgers Athletics brings us in the next year. Absolutely and uh, I'll just toot my own horn and uh, say it was the best decision I made with the site uh, bringing you on and uh, it's been uh, it's been a great year and I think you know, just uh, having that insight, talking to coaches about, uh, you know, wh- where their programs are at. I think it's a fascinating time with Rutgers Athletics and where certain programs are poised right now. And, and we saw a lot of progress this year. And, uh, yeah, next year is even more exciting. And uh, I can't believe we have to wait three months, uh, four months until we get going again. 
But alas, you know, a year has passed for Rutgers Athletics, and now we're going to look back on everything that the school itself has accomplished since last June. So Aaron, let's start in the fall, right from the beginning, and we're going to start with some positives in that season. And of course, that is women's soccer and field hockey. And let's start with the women's soccer team. You know, obviously people upset that they ended up losing in the first round to Duke, one nothing. I think personally, it was a very tough draw for them. Duke, I believe, was ranked in the top 10 when Rutgers got it. But this was a, a big season for the Scarlet Knights. I think their highest Big Ten finish ever in the regular season, you know, pieces coming back, Mike O'Neill another year. And, you know, I think while it was unfortunate that they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, this Rutgers women's soccer team just kept on keeping on and they remained consistent uh, through all the turnover they've had the last, you know, four or five years with seniors leaving. It seems like every year they remained consistent. They remained really a powerhouse in the country and they remained one of the best programs at Rutgers. Well, I think what's encouraging about the women's soccer team and actually several teams that we're going to talk about is that uh, these aren't senior-laden teams. These are very young teams with a lot of uh, incoming talent that have, have produced right away. Uh, and women's soccer was no exception. You know, uh, replacing Casey Murphy is an impossible task. But Megan McClelland was outstanding in goal. Uh, you know, she made all Big Ten freshman year uh, team, uh, and she got a lot of accolades. She's already involved with the national program now, and uh, she was outstanding uh, and uh, really helped the team push forward. Amira Ali took another step uh, into becoming, you know, really close to being a superstar. And, uh, you know, Mike O'Neill, in my opinion, just remains the most consistent uh, coach at Rutgers in terms of what he's built. And uh, you're right, uh, they did finish second in the Big Ten, and it's actually they tied men's lacrosse for the best regular season finish of Big Ten play for any Rutgers team in the last, you know, in the five years they've been in the conference. So um, they were really close to winning the title. And, uh, yeah, they, I agree. I mean, it's amazing. Just following them the last few years, I mean, they, they consistently get uh, bad draws in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, I hate to complain like that, but the Duke game at Duke um, with, with the RPI difference, I think they were two, two apart in the RPI. It was very close. Um, it was a ridiculous draw for them, but, uh, it, you know, it was, it was a very tight game, but the, the good news is they have a lot coming back next year. So I, I think they're, he's, he's, Michael Neal's got them right where, you know, the, they're, they're, they're the top, top few of the conference and, and remain there, will remain there for a long time, I think. And I, I appreciate the fact that, look, I mentioned it before, people were disappointed that they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Duke. There's not a lot of teams, a lot of Rutgers teams, uh, programs that, that fans can say that about, you know, Many programs just getting to the NCAA tournament, for some just getting to a Big Ten tournament is obviously a big accomplishment, but this team kind of went past that. This team is expected to win, and obviously losing in that first round in what was a very fluky draw obviously disappointed people, but I think that's good expectations to have, and that's the expectations that Mike O'Neill has built onto this program and puts on this program every year. You know, look, they're, they're losing uh, someone like Kenny Wright, obviously, but you said it. They lose people, but new freshmen step in. You mentioned a girl like Megan McClellan and what she was able to do to replace uh, a legend not only at Rutgers, but really in uh, women's college soccer history with what Casey Murphy did uh, throughout her career on the bank. So I think, you know, while it stinks to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, having those expectations are something that not many Rutgers programs right now are used to. And I think it's great that there is a Rutgers program that, you know, has such high hopes going to every single year. Totally agree. And, you know, just to go back to it, no discredit to men's across the year, they finished second. But, you know, there's only six Big Ten teams 
in men's lacrosse, you know, soccer, every, every, every team is there. So to finish second in the conference and, and be so close to winning the first ever uh, Rutgers Big Ten title, um, they were right there. And I think, um, you know, ever since the, the College Cup uh, in 15, you know, they've, 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 they've had a little bit of tough luck here and there. Um, but another thing that was thrilling about this season was I, I believe they tied the most overtime games in, in um, women's soccer history. It was 13. Uh, it, w- it was just an exciting season to, to follow. And they, they just had a knack for pulling it out at the end. And uh, they, they were a gutty team, definitely symbolic of their coach and, and how the program is. And, and there's probably not a better coach right now recruiting New Jersey for their own sport than there is for uh, than Mike O'Neill. That's that's completely true. You know, Mike O'Neill has really built what has been, you know, continued over from what Glenn Crooks did, obviously, and built such a, a powerhouse uh, program in women's soccer. We're going to move on to another fall sport that, while doesn't or didn't go into the season having the expectations that women's soccer did, it certainly will have that expectation going forward. That's field hockey. They went 13-6, and six, a real breakthrough year for Meredith Civico and her squad. And, of course, if you want to hear what Meredith Civico has to say about her squad, we had her on episode 15 of the podcast months and months ago, so make sure you go and listen to that. But 13-6, and six, they had, I think, five top 20 wins. They beat teams, you know, like a team like Princeton, I think at the time was their highest ranked win ever. This team was one that was not expected to compete as well as they did, but they have a goaltender in Gianna Glotz. They have a forward in Daphne Grothaus. Most of them are really coming back, or a lot of the important pieces are really coming back, and they're a team now stepping into that women's soccer realm where they're going to be expected to be competitive and to be up towards the Big Ten on a year-in and year-out basis. Yeah, and it was great to see just with Coach Civico. I mean, it was her seventh season. What she built the program from, people really don't realize how, you know, she really built it from nothing. And uh, to see it grow organically, like we've seen with a couple other sports, but to see it with her and, and field hockey was really great to see. And, um, you know, I, I spoke to her before the season, and, and they, I, I think she and, and people around the program felt like it, it was it was going to be a breakout season, and to see them actually do it was was really uh, fun to watch. And uh, yeah, like you you said, the the ranked wins, and you know it's it's a recurring theme. The, the Big Ten in, in almost every sport is just so difficult, uh, and the top conference in, in in a lot of different sports, and field hockey is no exception. I think um, that's going to be a challenge uh, every season, but I think that. You know, they, they can build off of last year and establish themselves as a top four, top five program in the conference. And, you know, that would pretty much put them in uh, NCAA tournament contention every year. So uh, I think uh, it, she's only going to build momentum uh, moving forward. And I think what was a theme, at least for these two teams, women's soccer and field hockey, you look at women's soccer, who's their superstar? It's obviously Amir Ali. Well, you look at field hockey, they have a superstar of their own, as I mentioned, Daphne uh, Grothaus an All-American first and foremost, and she led the team with 37 points, I believe almost 10 points higher uh, than the next closest person. So having that superstar in women's soccer and field hockey has really allowed these teams to have that player that they can rely on when the going gets tough. And uh, Grothaus really stepped up big time in a lot of big games this year for this field hockey team and helped lead them to the breakthrough season that they had. Absolutely. Uh, and and I think, um, you know, that, that was the key. 
key this year is that they got goals when they needed them to push them ahead. Uh, you know, I think they, they were very competitive the year before, but they just couldn't get over that hump. So I think that that was key. Um, and, and really, Glatz, too, she, she was first team all Big Ten. She was uh, still, even though with that accolade, I think underrated, uh, people don't realize that, you know, she's one of the best goaltenders in the country. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that the, she's just a sophomore, um, you know, it's, it's a huge thing coming back. I think, obviously, with women's soccer, too. When you have a star in goal like that, yeah, as we know, you know, defense wins championships, and I think, uh, you know, they're really set up well uh, for the future. So let's go towards the other two big, uh, the other two fall sports that I wanted to hit on, and the first one is men's soccer. Now, men's soccer is obviously in a little bit of a different boat than women's soccer and field hockey, as we've mentioned, because men's soccer not much success four four thirteen and one, and that ended up resulting in Dan Donigan's firing. Now, of course, they did bring in Jim McKeldry from Fordham, and if you want to hear all about Jim McKeldry, he was on episode 26 of the On the Banks uh, podcast. He joined me, and we had a great discussion on what he's going to bring to Rutgers men's soccer, so make sure to listen to that. They bring in Jim McKeldry, someone who knows the area, obviously having coached at Fordham, someone who brought a lot of success to Fordham as well. So it'll be an interesting kind of transition that this Rutgers men's soccer program is going through because... Well, a program that I believe my freshman year at Rutgers ended up going to the second round of the NCAA tournament. It's really gone downhill since then, and they need someone to really light a fire underneath this program and bring Rutgers soccer back to its winning ways, its historic winning ways. Well, I've written about it before, but I mean, men's soccer is, is uh, means a lot to me. You know, when I was a, uh, younger, and I'm dating myself, but uh, I used to go watch them play when I was a kid. You know, and that was back when they had Alexi Lalas and uh, Peter Vermes, and uh, who we've also had on, by the way. Uh, um, you know, and, and they were really peaking with Riazzo in the early '90s, and you know, I, I went to that semifinal game where they lost to Tony Miola in Virginia. Uh, and then they made the national championship the next year. I mean, it, it was uh, an amazing time to be around Rutgers soccer. And even when I went to Rutgers in the 90s, you know, they were still really good every season, uh, making the NCAA tournament more or less. So I think, uh, yeah, like you said, um, it's really disappointing. I think people that have followed the program for a long time, it's, it's, it's been really hard to see them struggle so much. But I think uh, what I like about the, the, the hire with McKeldry is uh, he, he's a program builder. I think that Hobbs has kind of figured it out. I think he, he's, he's looking for coaches that have built programs before, that have a history. I, you know, he did that with Fordham, which is not traditionally a, a soccer power by any means. He took them to the quarterfinals in the NCAA tournament uh, two years ago. So, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does. I think uh, the loss of Jordan Hall is, is massive. Um, you know, the best goal, uh, leading goal scorer in the Big Ten last season, he transferred to UConn, so that's disappointing. So I'm not quite sure uh, how much we could expect this season, but I think that um, long term, uh, McKeldry seems like the, uh, the right hire and uh, you know I'm encouraged by that and um, hopeful for the future and you know you mentioned uh, Peter Vermes as well we had him on episode 29 of the on the banks podcast if you want to listen uh, he did a great job of discussing his time obviously with the program and his time afterwards now with sporting Kansas City so before we wrap up the fall sports we of course have to mention uh, the biggest sport here at Rutgers a the <laughs> revenue sport uh, one of the revenue sports, must I say, um, and that is the football squad. You know, one and eleven last year. Obviously, lost eleven straight to end the year after beating Texas State in their home opener, in their season opener, really too. And you know, what is there to say about football? Well, I think in this off season, Chris Ash did a good job of bringing in some transfers in Drew Singleton, um, in Matt Alamo, in Johnny Langan as well. But 
at the end of the day, this is a results-driven business, as I'm sure Chris Ash knows and is well aware of, as any football coach knows at any level. Even if you're trying to change a culture, even if you're in a rebuild, people want to see progress. And unfortunately for the football team, this was a step back after we thought we saw progress going 4-8 and eight in year two. So whatever the expectations people might have, be it five wins, six wins, four wins, whatever it may be going into next season, Certainly last season, the 1-11 year is a, is one that Rutgers has to, they have to right the ship going into next year. They have to figure out a way, and Chris Ash has to figure out a way to change the results of last year and provide a competitive product on the field, you know, in the season coming. Yeah, it's been an interesting offseason. You know, I, I look at that twofold. I, I think that, you know, Ash, in one, one uh, frame of mind, has done a, a pretty good job in terms of, I think, resetting the coaching staff. I think he's made some good hires there. I think, um, you know, in terms of even the grad transfers he's just added with Kyle Penniston, the tight end from Wisconsin, and McLean Carter, the, the quarterback from Texas Tech, you know, um, it surprised me that you're, you're getting, you know, guys, solid guys that uh, that are coming here after a 1-11 season. I think, you know, you have to give him and the coaching staff credit there. I think that, um, you know, they obviously lost two big, uh, well, several big um, offensive players, you know, and Jonah Jackson and also Volkolek, Travis Volkolek, the tight end, you know, that really hurt. Um, so it's been a little up and down there. But overall, I think even with the recruiting class, is it a top 40 recruiting class? No. But I think from the perspective of where they've been, a 1-11, to bring in the, the talent and the, and the group that he has overall this offseason, I, I think you have to give him credit. Uh, of course, on the flip side, you know, the, the reality is, yeah, they're coming off a 1-11 season. A lot of progress is needed. Um, you know, I'd be lying if I said I was optimistic about this season. Um, I but as we've said before, you know, uh, and I know you feel the same way, and nothing would make me happier, uh, and I'm sure all Rutgers fans, if, you know, they, they went 5-7 and seven this year. It would be the best 5-7 and seven season ever, and uh, <laughs> we'd all be tickled to death, and, uh, you know, it would show real progress is happening. Um, so, you know, the, the idea that, uh, I, but I've also seen, you know, especially this uh, since the spring, it's like, you know, I, I get it. People are upset. You know, and they should be. And, you know, I'm upset too. I, I, everyone's upset. But um, I think you have to, you know, let's see how this season plays out. You know, it'll be something to watch not only as the season begins, but in the summer, you know, we do great work at On the Banks covering the football team in the summer as well. And, you know, obviously make sure to find all your coverage at onthebanks.com. And, you know, you mentioned it. I'm going to transition now uh, to the winter sports, uh, men's basketball. And they're a team that obviously, like you said, Steve Pike his third uh, straight losing year, but they're a team that showed visible signs of progress once again. We look back on year one, he had three Big Ten wins. They won a Big Ten uh, conference tournament game. That was great. You look at year two, they had three Big Ten wins again, but they ended up going to the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament, which is fantastic and unexpected. They had the home crowd basically at Madison Square Garden behind them, and they really made some noise and almost beat Purdue in the quarterfinals. You look at now season three, they finished with seven Big Ten wins, their most since entering the Big Ten. They had their first three-game Big Ten winning streak, which was great. Most importantly, I think, and I think you'd agree with me, is they gained a tremendous amount of respect, not only from the Big Ten, but nationally. You saw a guy like John Rothstein, for example, 
Uh, he gave Steve Peichel one of his famous Rothstein, uh, Rothstein-isms, Steve Peichel pounding nails. And that only happens if your program starts to get noticed. That only happens if your program goes from one kind of disappointment to one of optimism going forward. And I always, I like to tell a story. My freshman year in the first basketball game I went to as a student, I had been to ones previous, but the first one I was at as a student I don't remember the exact date, but it was in 2014. It was against George Washington. I think Rutgers lost by maybe 20 points. Um, there was probably two to 3,000 people in the arena, and it looked like all hope was lost for Rutgers basketball in the next 10, 15 years. But Steve Peichel's come in. He's shown progress year after year after year. He was a program builder coming in. He's clearly building a program now, and he had really, the record might not say it, but he really had some great success in year number three. Well, listen, now you're talking about national perception changing. I mean, Sports Illustrated named Rutgers basketball the most improved college basketball team last season. I mean, that's that's crazy uh, in the sense I, you know, we did not expect that going into the year. And I think um, the real encouraging thing is, uh, you know, how young this team was. I think Ken Palm had them as, you know, 320th, uh, you know, out of 353 college basketball teams in terms of experience. Um, and we saw them get better. I mean, you know, December was, uh, I think, a difficult time for them. You know, it was schools out. Uh, they had one game a week for five weeks uh, straight. And, uh, you know, they struggled at times. But I think that they got through it and it made them better. And we really saw their potential in mid-January uh, that went over Ohio State at the rack. And that really started some momentum. Uh, you know, that three-game winning streak was really a lot of fun. Um, you know, and to be a four and six, four and six at the midway point of the conference play was was quite unexpected. And I think that although they, um, you know, ha- had some ups and downs beyond that, I think that you know that really gave them confidence. And I think, um, you know, that's what I was thinking as you were talking at the end about football. It's like, you know, these teams, these young teams that that have had a lot of losing uh, or come into programs losing, they, they need they need a break or two. And when they get that confidence, it can really change their whole mindset and and really create their own luck in a way. And I think that men's basketball was able to do that to a degree. And that really helped. Um, And I think, you know, just some of their wins, even when they lost, the way they played, you know, they really take on the identity of Peichel and they're they're a hard-nosed team. Uh, They play together and it's just, they play the right way. And I think they're a really likable team. And I think looking into next year, it's it's a really exciting prospect. There's going to be, you know, more expectations for this program than there have been in many, many years. And I think, um, you know, everyone's really excited about it. And I think uh, there's a lot of reasons to, to be excited about it. We look back at that December month and close game against a, a team like Columbia, close game against the team, I believe it was Boston University, I think, or Hartford, one of the two of them. Uh, but clo- Boston. Boston, yeah, excuse me. Uh, BU, a close game against them. Obviously, the loss to Fordham. I drove all the way up to the Bronx, of course, to see Rutgers uh, and falling to Fordham. But this is a young team that really found its footing midway through the year. They, they beat Ohio State, and you point back to um, that – team or that players only excuse me meeting um after that northwestern loss and that seems to be or that seemed to be where the season kind of changed because rutgers was at one point one and six in the big 10 they go on that three game winning streak uh beating you know nebraska beating penn state on the road beating uh indiana at home and you know the the momentum swung into rutgers favor for what seemed like the first time in a long time you started to see some real hope not and not just optimism but but hope on the court and you started to see you know a program that was actually you know 
competent and a program that, you know, could really win some Big Ten games, and they proved it the rest of the way. I think another big moment for this basketball team was, of course, uh, losing on the buzzer beater to Iowa. Um, I was at the game, and I, I, I will always say for the foreseeable future that I've never been at such a high to then be at such a low like a minute and a half later. Um, it was just such a heartbreaking loss, and you were worried at the time how would such a young team rebound from it because it was a loss that could really, you know, damage the rest of the, the season the rest of the way. You know, if it stuck with the team, if they felt robbed, or if it was stuck with them and they couldn't rebound from it, the season could have spiraled out of control. But this team rebounded, and when they got their opportunity to go against Iowa once more, they went to Carver-Hawkeye Arena and blew the Hawkeyes out of the water. And I think that was a big step for this program, showing that we got robbed, but we're not going to let it bring us down the rest of the way. We're going to rebound, and we're going to go, and we're going to destroy that same team that robbed us of what should have been a win. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I, th- I think that that win, that those two games against Iowa, I think we could be looking back at you know a couple years from now with, the, with this core group that's there, that that was really a moment where they stepped forward and uh, I, I think it's, you know, the, the toughness that this team displayed, I thought was really impressive. Um, obviously, you know, they ran out of gas at the end, and we can talk about that. And I think, you know, there's reasons for that. But I think that, you know, um, th- th- that kind of uh, retribution they handed to the Hawkeyes, we haven't seen the team, a Rutgers basketball team, with that kind of swagger and that confidence and focus that they did in that game. That was the best performance I've seen a Rutgers basketball team give in a long time. And, um you know, I, I think transition about uh, this team, you know, if, if you look at the four freshmen from last year, I mean, you could make an argument for any of the four freshmen being the best one of the group. I really think that all four, you know, at times last year, were the best player, not not of the freshman group, but the best player on the court for Rutgers at, at times. You know, Mathis had his moments. Um, you know, Johnson really developed. I mean, he has a chance to be the best big man Rutgers has had in a very long time. Um, Caleb McConnell, you know, it's it, I, I can't even put my finger on it, but it's just he just does so many little things well. He just he's just a winner. Uh, he's a hard nosed kid that can that can do a lot of things. You know, uh, at Northwestern when they were struggling on the road, they had to have that game. You know, he he wasn't feeling well. He wasn't playing well. He dove for a loose ball and he started a fast break, and it just clicked for the team. He's he's a spark plug. Um, and then obviously Ron Harper Jr. I mean, you know, he struggled so mightily shooting-wise most of the season, caught fire at the end. He ended up finishing with, I believe, the 16th best offensive rating in the Big Ten. Not a freshman, but in the entire Big Ten. Um, and he shot poorly for most of the conference season. So, I mean, they all have massive potential. And I think it's really exciting. Uh, and then you add guys like, you know, Paul Mulcahy coming in. Um, you know, definitely a, a lot of hype with him. Well-deserved, you know, triple-double average in, in high school this past season. Jacob Young, the, the Texas former four-star recruit. Uh, and, and now with uh, Akwazi Yaboa, uh, I think was it was a huge pickup. And this team is deep. I mean, you know, Dave White and I wrote an article last week or a week before, you know, and we tried to, to figure out what the minutes would look like. And it's, it's really hard to figure out. I think the key now is that, you know, Paykel, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a test for him, um, you know, at this level. You know, he's, I think you could probably say it's the most talented team he's ever had going into next season. You know, how is he going to uh, manage minutes? How is he going to balance 
the lineups, but I think the exciting part is that, you know, there's so many options. Uh, there's so much versatility on this team, multiple position players um, that he can throw at a bunch of different lineups and combinations with his rotations. And I think it just makes him a very unpredictable uh, and dangerous team going into next season. And I think with the exciting thing about all that is, this team very well might not even be complete yet because they still have that one scholarship remaining. So does Peichel in the summer, you know, he's been one to add players late. CJ Geddes was a late get. Eugenio Marie was a late get. So is Caleb McConnell. He's been known to, you know, get players going into the late July month into August. Is he going to add, you know, you, you'd think they'd be good at guard now. Is he going to add a, a wing, but they just got Yeboah? Is he going to go uh, for a big man to kind of help complement Miles Johnson? Of course, Mamadou uh, Ducour is coming back as well. Eugenio Marie uh, going into his senior year. Obviously, he is still going to be uh, the big man and really the player that Rutgers relies on the most. Uh, is he going to go for a transfer like he did with Peter Kist? This team, we look at it right now as a team that could go to battle tomorrow and really scare some opponents with the amount of depth that they have. And the fact is they could still be adding pieces to that depth. And I think that's just so exciting for Rutgers basketball and is something that this program really hasn't had in a while. The fact that there's so much optimism going into next year and the team isn't even fully complete yet. So I think looking forward into that next season, this team, you mentioned it, they're going to be raised expectations. How does a team that's still pretty young go about answering those expectations and how do they kind of respond with their play? How do they respond with their, um, you know, attitude both on and off the court? And and how do they, of course, respond most importantly in the win column? You know, is this going to be the year that Rutgers finally gets over that 500 mark? Is the NIT in play? Hell, is the NCAA tournament in play? And I think that's kind of the questions that, you know, we won't know until obviously the season begins, but it's questions that we love to talk about because it's the first time we've talked about them, I feel like, in such a long time. Absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of playing in the Big Ten. You know, it's a double-edged sword. When, when you're not ready as, as a team, you know, it's going to be a long year. But at the same time, when you have a team like the men's basketball team, is that there's opportunities in front of them. You know, if they could, if they could take advantage of it and really develop, um, and obviously this offseason, you know, how each individual player develops and how they develop as a team is so important. Um, the, the opportunity is there. Um, you know, if they finish in the top half of the Big Ten, you know, they'll defy odds. They'll go to the March, uh, the Northern NCAA tournament. So um, it's it's right there for them. It's it, it, for the taking in, in a sense. Um, and I, I'm really excited uh, to see Mulcahy. I really think that he's going to change the trajectory of the offense um, he's, you know, he, he, his uh, ability to penetrate, his passing ability, his vision, um, his IQ on the court. I think he's going to put um, a lot of guys in better positions to, uh, to score, to shoot, um, you know, and, and also with a guy like Jacob Young, a guy that can create his own shot. You know, that's been a big problem on offense for a long time is that Rutgers hasn't had guys that create their own shot. And I think we saw more of that last year. You know, guys like Harper, McConnell, Mathis, they could all drive, they could all get to the basket. Um, you know, finishing was an issue at times, and that obviously has to improve shooting percentages across the board. But I think that, you know, Mulcahy's going to be able to put guys in better position, shooting higher percentage shots. And I think, uh, again, it's all about confidence. And I think if this team can gel early, uh, it could be a really special season. And a team that, you know, clearly had some confidence last year playing for C. Vivian Stringer, getting her 1,000th win, finishing in the top four of the Big Ten, getting a double bye, uh, was the Rutgers women's basketball team. Now, unfortunately, they lost in the first round 
of the NCAA tournament, 82-71 to to Buffalo. But this was a big season, an important season for Rutgers. One, because, of course, yes, they got C. Vivian Stringer her 1,000th her win, something that the team two seasons ago wasn't able to do. Um, but it was a season most certainly filled with adversity that you got to be happy with how they rebounded from. Obviously, you know, C. Vivian Stringer um, has to take a, a, a leave of absence um, late in the season, and you, you're worried that without their leader, what does this team do from here on out? Well, with Tim Eatman leading the helm, and of course we had Tim Eatman on the podcast as well right before their first round game against Buffalo, with Tim Eatman at the helm, this team still managed to pull off three straight to end the year, secure themselves uh, another NCAA tournament bid, again, secure that that they would get that double buy in the Big Ten tournament for the first time um, in program history. And while they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, you're very happy with how this team rebounded from what was a disappointing end to the year before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really amazing to think about it. I, I can't remember a Rutgers team going through as much adversity as the women's basketball team did and still have a successful season. I mean, just a, you know, one thing that hasn't really gotten talked about is, you know, the, their true starting point guard, K.K. Sanders, didn't even play last year. She was hurt all year. Uh, and then you have, you know, C.C. Cryer stepped in, did a good job. Unfortunately, she, you know, was dismissed at some point uh, late in the season. You know, they lost Caitlin Jenkins as well. Um, two key contributors. And this team, you know, they, they, they really didn't miss a beat down the end. Then they, uh, Stringer left. This all happened within a week and a half period. And, and, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't think that, hey, you know what, it was a good season, but... Uh, I don't think uh, they have much left in the tank to be able to make the in-state tournament, and they did. Um, they played really well down the stretch. Eatman did a great job. He changed the style up. He, uh, um, you know, really uh, pushed the tempo and, and uh, utilized that 55 defense full court, and uh, it worked. And, uh, yeah, Buffalo was a disappointing loss, but, you know, Buffalo is also a very good team. A team that went to the Sweet 16 lead the year before, so. Exactly, and had the leading score in the country. So I think that... Um, you know, all in all, when you look at it, uh, also, you know, third place finish in the Big Ten, best in program history. Honestly, I, w- I was surprised how well they did. And when you talk about successful seasons, we'll go to our last winter sport. And of course, that is the wrestling program. Two national champions, Nick Suriano and of course, Anthony Ashnault. Their first top 10 finish at NCAA, at the NCAA tournament in program history, of course, I was joined by Anthony Ashnault and Nick Suriano on episode 35 of the On the Banks podcast. It was their first sit-down interview after winning the title, so a lot of good stuff. We talked about basically everything there was to talk about uh, regarding their NCAA tournament run and, and their run to the national titles. Um, I had Coach Goodell on episode 37 as well, so we really hit on everything there was to hit on regarding Rutgers Wrestling on both those episodes, so definitely uh, take a listen, episode 35 and episode 37. But this was a program that, you know, continued to progress every single year under Coach Goodell, and this was kind of the final step for them, right? Or one of the final steps, I guess you could say. Get a national uh, champion, get a top 10 finish in the NCAA tournament, and they did both of that. And for national champion, they did it times two. Anthony Ashnault, he was able to beat Micah Jordan. Uh, Nick Suriano, he was able to beat Dayton Fix. And it was one of the most satisfying, if not the most satisfying moment I've ever had as a Rutgers sports fan, I think. It's it's up there with 2006 against Louisville. It really is. It was so gratifying. It was just so exciting to see Rutgers on such a big national stage on ESPN on a Saturday night 
winning not one but two national titles, second um, only behind Penn State, who I believe won four. So Rutgers was right up there with the you know historical powerhouse programs in wrestling, and they were able to uh, really represent Rutgers University uh, to the fullest. Well, the, the great thing about Astral and Soriano is you think about it, you know, the, the first two four-time undefeated high school wrestlers in New Jersey, uh, and then, you know, they both uh, dealt with a lot of adversity in their college careers, and to see them put it all together, you know, and Soriano even last year, you know, suffering three losses and um, struggled a little bit, and to see him regroup and, and, and excel and just pretty much dominate the last month of the season and then national everything he had been through throughout his career and to have to put together a perfect season like that um it was like you said really satisfying as a Rutgers fan also new jersey uh residents you know to see that as well um and uh, i mean the soriano match in the final against fix i mean that, that was high drama it doesn't get more dramatic than that and that was just uh, back against the wall to see him pull it out like that was just unbelievable uh, and, and then Ashnall, you know, and actually I, I was terrified of Ashnall's match because I was just like, he's come so far, he's right there, he's got to just, you know, get through this, and he did, and, uh, you know, well-deserved for both, and, they, you know, they represent the university so well and the state so well, and uh, you couldn't be happier for them. And then obviously Goodell, you know, you were mentioning it before about all the, the New Jersey coaches that have built programs from scratch. I mean, he is the gold standard for Rutgers. He's the gold standard um, in terms of where he's taken this program. I mean, the Rutgers wrestling over a decade ago literally almost went extinct, and that's how bad it was. And he came in, and he's just been unbelievable, and he's built it brick by brick. And uh, it was great to see him get the payoff with those two guys uh, on center stage and get that top 10 finish. And, you know, he's cashing in already. Uh, Flow Wrestling ranked uh, the incoming recruiting class, number four in the country. Uh, it's number two in the Big Ten. So um, it's really impressive. And, uh, you know, James Scratch had a great interview with uh, Donnie Pritzloff, the assistant coach who turned down the Maryland job this offseason. Um, and he said the reason he wanted to stay was he wants to win a national cha- team national championship at Rutgers and believes it can happen. And, uh, hey, at this point, how can you doubt those guys? I wanted to hit on one thing, and you mentioned with Nick Suriano how he really dominated the rest of the way after facing a little bit of adversity um, in the season. I think it was so great and really kind of exciting to see him. Look, he loses to Michich, he loses to DeSanto, and he loses to Dayton Fix. The fact that on his march to a national title, Nick Suriano beats Stefan Michich, beats Austin DeSanto. Uh, obviously, he beat DeSanto in the Big Ten tournament, but still beats Austin DeSanto, beats Michich, and then, of course, goes on and beats um, Dayton Fix in the final. It was such great retribution and revenge for, for Nick Suriano and for him to do it, and it all culminate into a national title after losing the year before. It was so great to see the excitement uh, of not only him, the excitement of all the Rutgers fans that were there, and really the excitement uh, of Rutgers Nation right after it happened. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, you know, he, it was, uh, you know, relatable. You know, I think uh, listening to Soriano talk to you after it all happened, you know, how he had doubts, you know, and how he uh, uh, just struggled uh, with facing that adversity and to fight through it. I think, um, you know, made it that much sweeter, not only for him, but just for everybody rooting for him. And I think that um, it was it was really great to see uh, him do it that way. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see him going into his uh, senior year and just how he does. Um, but I think, you know, the kid's got such a great work ethic. Um, and it's another great example. You know, he went to Penn State, you know, the, 
the, the again top program in the country, and he came back to Rutgers, and he's had a tremendous success. So I think it's uh, I think that that really is the barrier. Them winning the national championships, um, you know, like they did. It, it just that you know we've seen it already with Goodell. Now now he's getting even uh, higher rec- uh, recruited talent um, because listen, he's got the best pitch in the world now. He can come to Rutgers and win a national championship. And, Really, what else has to be said? So that's going to bring us now to the spring sports. The last couple sports we're going to mention before we get into a little bit of a superlative kind of section of the podcast. We're going to talk about softball first. And now this team finished 28-23 and in the regular season under first-year head coach Kristen Butler. They made the Big Ten tournament. They were invited to the National Invitational Softball Championship. And this really surprised me more than any other team because this is a first-year head coach in Kristen Butler. I had her on the podcast, I believe it was episode two or three, I think episode three, way back uh, in the in the previous summer, and we talked about how she's rebuilding. You know, this is a program that she's coming into that she needs to lay her culture down, she needs to lay the groundwork for success, and the fact that this team finished with a, a record over 500, made the Big Ten tournament, they were invited to, you know, a, a national tournament afterwards. What a turnaround for a first-year head coach and a program that really hasn't had much success in a pretty long time. No doubt. Uh, what she has done in, in one year has been very impressive. Um, and, and, you know, again, talking about uh, programs uh, taking the next step, you know, she brought in two uh, outstanding freshmen. Um, and, and um, you know, Cora Price has been uh, a great pitcher. She went 16 and 10 in the regular season, ERA uh, under three, uh, and uh, really became the anchor of uh, the pitching staff um, for uh, Rutgers. And, and, and uh, again, only a freshman um, in terms of uh, just what she was able to do on the mound, I think uh, really helped this team quite a bit uh, just take the next step forward. Um, and I think, you know, Butler has touched on it before, just talking about how, um, you know, the work ethic and the culture and how she's changed it um, and how um, this team has really responded to it. And then you have, you know, freshman catcher Katie Winger, um, who's been outstanding. She had her 18th home run today um, in that uh, she, they went one one today um, in that uh, national invitational softball championship. So I think, uh, you know, and again, I'm, I'm big on where you finish in the regular season. I think obviously um, that really marks uh, how much progress is made and to finish sixth place um, in the big 10 again uh, is, is really impressive. Uh, and when I say again, I mean the first time they've ever done it, um, but just shows that, Hey, they, they made a lot of progress. So uh, they, they've uh, right there at 30 wins. And I think, um, you know, they have a lot of young talent coming back and uh, yeah, I mean, Butler was a great player. She led to leader of the first 30 win season in over two decades the year before. So I think she's the real deal and just another uh, really Good hire by Pat Hobbs. And, you know, this team started the Big Ten slate 1-8, and eight, ended up um, winning, uh, or at least down the stretch going 8-3 and three to put them in a position to finish sixth place at the Big Ten. And, you know, that brings us now to baseball. Now, this team obviously led by, I believe, two dominant pitchers in Harry Rutkowski and Tevin Murray. And they're the two pitchers that have really led uh, this team to get to the point where they're at, where they're competing to just get into the Big Ten tournament. It wasn't the most graceful of starts, but they rebounded under Joe Letario. And you got to be happy that, like the softball team, got off to a little bit of a tough start, but were able to kind of right the ship and put themselves in a position to at least fight to get into that Big Ten tournament. 
it's definitely been an up and down season, and I think uh, you know based on how their non-conference schedule went, you know it was fair to be um, you know pessimistic about how the Big Ten season went. Um, but you know to their credit, they they have developed and they pulled it together, and um, you know they fared uh, pretty well. So um, um, the Northwestern series last weekend was really what they needed, um, and uh, you know they they uh, lost two of three, um, and coming off a disappointing loss to Villanova right before it. But you know they've had some high moments too um i think that uh you know they won the purdue series they swept michigan state um you know uh they've definitely had uh, their moments um but uh yeah the the pitching has been uh pretty solid all year um they've had issues in the field for sure and uh has been about average so i think um you'd like to see more progress uh and letario you know is um uh, definitely been with the program a while, so it'll be interesting to see um, just you know how this season finishes up and, and, and what's in store for the future. That'll get us to uh, one of our final sports, and that's uh, lacrosse. Finished 7-7. Seven and seven. They made the Big Ten tournament. They had an upset win over number 4 Ohio State in Columbus on March 31st. But unfortunately, I think this was a little bit of a step back for the program this year. Um, this was a program that has high expectations, a program that has gotten snubbed from the NCAA tournament in the last couple of years. But this year was just not the year against seven and seven, um, and I'm sure if Coach Brecht could go back and maybe play better in a couple games and maybe pull some games out, they lost close to Penn State before losing big to them in the Big Ten tournament. Um, that would have been a big win, obviously too. If they could go back and kind of replay some of those games, I'm sure he'd do a, li- a couple things a little bit different. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, I agree. Based on the standards of, of where Brecht has gotten the program, it was a disappointing year. I mean, and they, uh, you know, they they were leading at Syracuse. Uh, they were leading um, at, against uh, Maryland. They were leading uh, at number one Penn State the last game of the regular season. I mean, they, they had leads in the fourth quarter against all those teams, all, uh, you know, t- two top five teams, another one right around the top ten, um, and they couldn't pull it out. Um, you know, they, they had disappointing losses to uh, while they were ranked. You know, teams that they really, looking on the schedule, you know, needed to beat in, in Army, uh, and Lehigh, uh, you look at their losses. I mean, they, they were right there in almost every game. Um, and uh, to fall short, I mean, they had three of the best players, you know, arguably in program history on the roster. And, and Adam Charnalabides, who had an amazing comeback season, um, Karen Mullins, and uh, Max Edelman a goal. So to have three uh, great players like that and not have uh, not finished with a winning record um, and not even be on the bubble this year for the NCAA tournament is certainly disappointing. Obviously, they have some talent coming back. You know, Mullins and Charnalabides will be back. Um, and hopefully they do rebound. I think, you know, the margin of error in men's lacrosse, you know, it's a short schedule. The Big Ten is so competitive. Um, you know, only four teams made the conference tournament. So, you know, they, they, they had a little bit of a hard, hard luck year. They have they did have some injuries, um, you know, so it, it, it wasn't uh, – they, they didn't get the breaks that maybe they, they, they needed. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was overall uh, definitely disappointing. But I think, again, you know, like you said previously, it's, it's where the program has, has raised expectations. And I think, you know, hopefully, if you, if you think about it, you know, if, if we could have that type of expectation for most Rutgers athletic programs going into each year um, and consider a year that the men's lacrosse had as a disappointment, well, you know what, at that, a lot of progress would actually have been made um, at that point overall for the athletic department. Before we get now to the support part of this podcast um we got to mention one more sport and that of course is rowing 
Um, right now, I believe ranked 14th in the country. Uh, another one of those sports that has really kind of surprised everyone and, and has really gotten a lot of attention um, from Rutgers fans. Um, you know, not many people know about rowing, obviously. Not many people are familiar with, with you know, the sport as a whole, not necessarily just Rutgers rowing. But Rutgers rowing, again, has risen to a, a top 15 team in the country and has really made a lot of Rutgers fans, really all Rutgers fans, proud by the effort that they put in and by the fact that it's just more positive notoriety coming in the direction of a Rutgers athletic program. Absolutely. Another great hire by Hobbs. You know, Justin Price came from UCLA. It's only his second year. Uh, they won three uh, separate uh, Big Ten boats of the week. Uh, and the Big Ten, again, you know, common theme, uh, very strong conference in rowing. And, uh, you know, they, they, they've, yeah, they're, they're top 15 team, highest ranking ever. Um, and they've beaten um, several ranked teams in several races this year. The Big Ten Championships is this weekend. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's really built this program in a very short time. And um, it's, you know, uh, there's a lot of old school Rutgers fans that, that, that really care about rowing. And it's great to see um, how well they've done under Price. And, and um, I think the future, obviously, is very bright there. And I think it just points to you mentioned Justin Price and it's only a second year. The trend that Pat Hobbs is doing of hiring people who can rebuild programs. We've seen it with Price. We've seen it with um, Umisling Beasley of gymnastics. They had a great year as well. Um, we, we, or they had at least an improving year as well. We saw it with Kristen Butler. You know, hopefully we see it with Jim McKeldry. We saw it with Steve Peichel. People that have experienced rebuilding programs, they've been able to come to Rutgers and they've been able to bring hope and bring optimisms to the uh, bring optimism to the program that they were hired for. And I think it's really changed the overall narrative of Rutgers athletics and even a sport like rowing that you know not many people know too much about. The fact that Justin Price has been able to get Rutgers rowing to a top fifteen uh, to a top fifteen ranking um, is really a testament to to just how well he's done in just these first two years. Absolutely. Uh, it's definitely encouraging. And I think, um, you know, uh, overall, it's important for the athletic department to be as competitive as possible in as many sports as possible. And I think Hobbs has been clear on that being a, a major priority for him. And I think he's done a really good job there. I think it's, you know, um, unfortunate that, you know, uh, but also on the same time fair that, you know, he's going to be judged on how football does uh, long term and Ash was his first hire uh, and it's obviously hasn't gone well so far but um, you know uh, in terms of, of how Hobbs has grown as an athletic director and how he's approached every other hire since I think it's really hard to, to find any fault there I think he's done a really good job the early returns have been there and I think um, you know the way that these program builders have, have started at Rutgers is really encouraging and um, you know uh, give a lot of reason to be optimistic overall for the athletic department moving forward all right, so let's get into our little superlative. We're going to talk about five specific things, and we're going to give our opinion on our favorite moment, favorite loss, coach, athlete, team of the year, so so forth. So let's start with our favorite Rutgers athletics moment of the past year. And Aaron, I'll let you go first. Your favorite Rutgers athletics moment of the past year. Well, I'll just uh, mention two honorable mentions very quickly, but obviously, you know, see uh, Vivian Stringer winning a thousand uh, games in her career. Uh, I mean, that, that was a national uh, uh, spotlight moment. That was a historical moment. Uh, so that was great to see. Um, you know, personally, from from uh, to see uh, Rutgers basketball, uh, how they beat Iowa, most complete 
uh, dominant performance I've seen from them in, in many years. Uh, and that, that, I think, just really is uh, at the top of, of why the future is so bright. But uh, how can you not go with Ashnell and Soriano winning national championships? Uh, obviously, um, is, is, to me, a no-brainer in terms of, of how, uh, you know, what the best moment for Rutgers was uh, all, uh, all year. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think another thing... I want to at least throw in there as an honorable mention that a lot of people forget about that win against Nebraska, Eugenio Marui's return and what it meant to the program after having such a tough knee injury for the second year in a row, what it meant for the program to him, for him to return so soon. And it kind of, his return really sparked that team. It sparked that three game winning streak. Obviously they beat Nebraska, then Penn state, um, and then Indiana. And, you know, he's the leader of this Rutgers, uh, of this Rutgers men's basketball program. And that return, um, him coming into a game that a lot of people thought he wasn't even going to be, be able to play in. He didn't do so much statistically, but he just, his presence alone was able to really vault that, uh, vault this program to a win. So now we're going to move on to the next one. And this is a little interesting. And I think it could go a couple different ways. The biggest surprise among Rutgers athletics, and I'll start with this one. To me, the biggest surprise among Rutgers athletics has been this softball program. And look, it's not the, you know, the sport that gets the most notoriety. It's, you know, a quote unquote Olympic sport. It's not, it's a non-revenue kind of sport. But at the end of the day, this was a program that has not been good in the last four or five, six years. And the fact is they brought in a new head coach who obviously has a track record of success, both as a player and as a coach but someone who had to lay a new foundation down, someone who had to bring her culture to this Rutgers program, and she was able to do it so quickly. That, to me, makes them the biggest surprise among Rutgers athletics this year. I think that's a very good answer. Uh, I'm going to go in a different direction uh, because I'm biased. Uh, I'm a hoops junkie uh, by nature, Uh, and I'm going to go with both men's and women's basketball because I think they both uh, certainly exceeded expectations going into the year uh, and how they both performed. Like we had talked about previously with women's basketball, third-place finish, NCAA tournament, first time in four years, best uh, best finish in Big Ten play uh, since they joined the conference uh, through all the adversity they experienced. And then you have the men's team, um, which we've, we've gone through quite a bit. Uh, and you made a great point about Omar Yuri. You know, he, he's he's all heart and guts. And, and, and uh, really, the team is personified by him and Paykel. And I think that... Uh, um, it's it's if you think about Omar Uri, you know he, he was he was not even uh, it's hard to even call him a recruit. I mean he wasn't even on many recruiting websites. You know Pikeel goes out and finds him out of Canada and signs him in August before his first year. I mean it's really a Cinderella story and how he's developed. Uh, I mean he is uh, he, he is um, really symbolic of how this program has progressed under Pikeel. So I think uh, those two teams, the way they performed, um, uh, definitely were the biggest surprise for me in terms of how they exceeded expectations. All right, so now we'll go more specific, and we'll talk about individual games, and we'll go with what was the toughest loss to you during the year? And you mentioned you're a hoop junkie, so I feel like it it's maybe obvious, but what was your toughest loss this year for any Rutgers Athletics program? So this fact hit me pretty hard today when I realized it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a three-way tie, and uh, people aren't gonna like this, but um, is a three-way tie uh, loss to Penn State 
in three different sports. So if you look at women's soccer, they went to Penn State. If they win that game, they win the first ever Big Ten title for a Rutgers program. Uh, obviously, you know, their biggest rival uh, in women's soccer, they've had some amazing games the last five years. Uh, always very, very close, hard-fought battles. Um, and they lost a heartbreaker. Uh, while it didn't snowball their season, you know, they, uh, like we talked about, they did lose the first round game uh, in the Big Ten tournament, and then they lost that heartbreaker at Duke. Uh, so, um, you know, really changed the trajectory of their season. Then men's basketball, Penn State yet again on senior day. Uh, what a heartbreaker that game was. Um, and really, uh, Rutgers didn't recover after that. Um, it was a, a, a real um, just uh, stomach punch loss uh, that I'm still uh, not recovered from. And then uh, lastly, you know, men's lacrosse. Um, you know, going to Happy Valley, the last game of the season, top-ranked team in the country, beating them most of the game, uh, and then falling just short, uh, you know, winning by one with, I think, five or six minutes to play. Um, while that win alone would not have put them in the NCAA tournament, it would have changed uh, the narrative going into the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think they it, it deflated them, um, and they, they really got blown out uh, at home against Penn State. You know, I'm not saying it would have been uh, possible for them to beat them two in a row, but you win that game, you beat the number one team in the country. Um, you know, it would have been definitely uh, something for that program to hold on to, um, and even though the season may have still ended in disappointment, um, it would have been the, the crowning achievement. Um, and uh, so that was disappointing. So all three of those losses... Um, Unfortunately, all to Penn State for me um, or the toughest losses of the season. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to have the Penn State basketball loss um, as, you know, one of my quote-unquote honorable mentions, being down by so much and then having an opportunity at the last shot for the win and being unable to pull it out. But for me, it's got to be that Iowa loss uh, in basketball. And I mentioned earlier that I've never been so high uh, to then be so low basically a minute and a half later, however long it was. It seemed like a century when, you know, Fran McCaffrey called timeout and, and then Iowa and, of course, Joe Wieskamp puts that shot up and it defies physics and somehow goes in the back for from behind the basket, really, uh, from the corner. He managed to get it to bank off the high glass and somehow fall through the net. That loss was just so heartbreaking. And look, maybe if Rutgers wins that game, they don't go on to beat Iowa uh at Carver Hawkeye Arena, uh, Hawkeye Arena, a couple of weeks later, and it was great that Rutgers was able to get revenge and, of course, defeat the Hawkeyes by a very wide margin. I think it was like fourteen or sixteen points. But that loss at home was just devastating. Iowa was ranked at the time. Uh, the place was incredibly loud. It was, it was, I believe, sold out. That would have been such a, a great win at home for Rutgers. But again, they ended up, you know, getting revenge and beating Iowa uh, on the road at Carver Hawkeye. So it's not all doom and gloom, but that was just such a, a tough loss uh, to see in person and a tough loss to, like I said, be so high when Geo Baker makes that step back three with three seconds left to then be so low when Wieskamp at the buzzer hits that um, corner three that somehow, some way, uh, made it in, uh, you know, uh, through the nylon into the net. We'll move on from toughest loss now to coach of the year. And this is, you know, specific coach. There's many to choose from, as we've talked about all the different surprises that Rutgers had this year. Um, I'll start though. And for me, it's close. You know, Kristen Butler obviously did a great job, um, with, uh, Rutgers softball. Um, Meredith Civico obviously did great, with uh, field hockey and of course Steve Peichel, Steve Avian Stringer could go on. You could say Justin Price as well with rowing, um, but I think you got to give it to Coach Goodell. 
uh, Scott Goodell from wrestling. He ended up winning NCAA tournament division one coach of the year as well after the big 10 tournament, uh, excuse me, after the NCAA tournament, he has brought this Rutgers wrestling program to a whole new level and getting a national, getting two national champions and getting a top 10 finish, which which were the goals this year, being able to achieve those and more, I think definitely makes him at least my coach of the year for Rutgers athletics. No brainer, uh, right decision. Uh, only top ten finish of any Rutgers program in the country, and uh, only national championship uh, at all. So uh, really, not even close. All the other coaches you mentioned all deserve consideration. All had great seasons, um, but yeah, it's got to be Goodell. And then we'll switch over now to athlete of the year. And for me, it's got to be Anthony Ashnold. And now you could say athlete of the year. You could say one of the most important athletes in Rutgers history. But what Anthony Ashnold means to the state of New Jersey and, of course, Rutgers as well, he was one of those first guys to, before Rutgers was even in the Big Ten in terms of wrestling, Anthony Ashnold decided to kind of follow his family, really, and come to Rutgers and was one of the first big gets for Scott Goodell. Um, and helped really change the trajectory of this program going forward. He was a four-time All-American, um, you know, Big Ten uh, champion, and of course ended it with a national champion and a national championship. Excuse me. What he means to not only Rutgers wrestling, not only Rutgers athletics as a whole, but to the state of New Jersey and all the athletics in New Jersey. He showed, you know, yes, Nick Suriano, he ended up technically winning the first title, right? But Anthony Ashnell showed that you can come to Rutgers in any sport. And you could be a winner. You could do it in your, you know, right next to your hometown from South Plainfield, 10 minutes away from Rutgers. You could do it so close to your family, so close to your friends. You could represent the state of New Jersey and you could win champion uh, championships here at Rutgers. Couldn't say it better myself and uh, undefeated season, dominating season, uh, as dominant as we've seen in, in many, many years, uh, perhaps, you know, arguably ever uh, at Rutgers, uh, one of the best seasons of all time. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll go on the Mount Rushmore for the program. And, and who knows, we might even look back at him as, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of Rutgers athletes of all time. And I, I, I think he, he's probably there already. So, um, yeah, uh, no brainer. And now we'll go to our last superlative, Aaron. I'll let you go first. Your team of the year. So many to choose from. A lot of surprises, as we've mentioned. A lot of, you know, um, overachieving in Rutgers athletics this year. Who was your team of the year? Well, I, I, leading up to it, I, I will say, you know, if you think about it, I mean, it's been a heck of a season for women's teams, uh, you know, between women's soccer, field hockey, women's basketball, you know, gymnastics uh, did have two ranked wins. Um, and then you have... Um, softball, what they've done, and then rowing. I mean, really, it's, it's been a lot of progress for the women's teams, uh, and it's uh, really bodes well for the future there. But again, you know, it, there, there's no drama here. I mean, coach of the year, athlete, athlete of the year, team of the year, uh, first top 10 uh, finish in program history, and only top 10 finish of any program uh, at Rutgers. It's got to be wrestling. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, what the women's teams have done in softball, field hockey, gymnastics, like you mentioned, is on the rise as well. Um, you can even throw rowing in there. What all these teams have done is is admirable. Women's soccer, of course, too. And they've really helped raise the bar um, for all Rutgers sports uh, because they've been so competitive um, and, and they're, they're growing at such a steady pace. But tough to go against wrestling here. Again, this team, like you said, the only team to finish in the top 10 of any Rutgers sport, you have, you know, my coach of the year was Goodell. Uh, my athlete of the year was Anthony Ashnault. I mean, Scott Goodell was, of course, the NCAA tournament division one coach of the year as well. So a lot of people clearly agree with us. 
um, you got to go wrestling. They're the team that just accomplished so much and accomplished more than any Rutgers fan really could have asked for. And, and they're most certainly the team of the year in Rutgers athletics. So before we end this episode, we're going to kind of look a little bit towards next year. And I want to just kind of get a little bit of your thoughts, Aaron. What are some of the things um, regarding just any sport in general that you're really looking forward to next year? What are some of the things you want to see from maybe basketball or football or some of the Olympic sports? What are some of the things you're looking forward to going into the next, the 2019-2020 year of Rutgers Athletics? That Boston College game in September, I'm really excited about that. You know, I had a lot of friends that went to BC, and uh, I lived in Boston for a while, but uh, also old Big East rival. I was at that first Big East game ever when they beat BC 20-13, uh, to um, and uh, I believe it was early 90s. Uh, again, I, I sound pretty old right now. Um, but uh, that game means a lot to me personally, and I, I think also it's a huge barometer for how football will fare next season. I think if you win that game at home, it does a, a, a ton for morale, um, both for, for the team and the fan base. But I think, uh, you know, that's a huge test. So I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, and I think also, listen, I mean, there, there is uh, there's guys on that football team that are going into their third year now. So it's like, let's see, you know, can they develop into something? Um, you know, I definitely don't want to give up on them. And I think, uh, you know, that they have an opportunity to, to, to prove people wrong. You know, I, I would... I would love to see them do that. Um, uh, also, women's soccer, you know, I, I, I really think they're the best shot right now for a Rutgers team to win the Big Ten, um, regular season or title. And I think that they've come so close the last couple of years. I, I really want to see them put it together with uh, Amir Ali's junior year and, and, and the supporting cast around her and McClellan coming back. I, I really think that it could be a big year for women's soccer. Men's basketball, obviously, you know, um, <laughs> expectations. I'm, I'm in the middle of writing an article right now about the hype train is at the station already, and it's not even Memorial Day. I mean, um, I, I, I can't remember. Uh, you know, I, Dave White and I were saying that, you know, probably Mike Rice's second year going into 2011, 2012 was, was the last time we had such expectations. Um, but something just feels different about now. You know, the way Pykele has built the program, how solid the foundation is, how much young talent there is on, on the roster, um, it just feels special. And uh, I, I, I can't wait for next season. I, uh, the schedule should be coming out in the next couple of months. So that will really uh, tell us a lot about uh, what to, to, to look forward to um, in terms of the schedule there. Uh, you know, women's basketball, they, they lose a lot. Um, you know, Rella Garantz is back. She really uh, had a great year. We didn't really talk about her, but, um, you know, she's going to be uh, the lead next year. You have Zippy Broughton coming back. We started to figure out at the end of the season, you have five-star recruit, Moriori Davenport. You know, we got a lot of national attention with what happened there in Alabama. Uh, so there is there is talent coming there, um, you know, uh, but we'll see if they can maintain that level. Uh, and then obviously wrestling, you know, so much young talent infused into the program uh, and, and talent coming back. So it'll be exciting to see what they can do um, and if they can take a, a, another step forward, at least in the Big Ten, um, and see if they can move up the standings there and, and um, you know, uh, match match play there. Uh, and then, you know, in the spring, I mean, again, can men's lacrosse bounce back? Can softball take another step forward? Um, you know, uh, baseball, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, it's, again, I, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Um, you know, the athletic department overall still has a, a long way to go. Um, if you look at the conference standings for all three seasons, you know, Rutgers is still at the bottom. 
uh, overall. But I think, uh, again, we saw a lot of encouraging signs this season. I think uh, there's a lot of young talent in Rutgers athletics right now. And I think, um, you know, I, I, next year is going to be a very important year for, for multiple sports and uh, and uh, how they do both in the Big Ten and nationally. I think once you start having multiple programs, you know, finishing the top half of the conference, going to NCAA tournaments, uh, obviously football and basketball will always drive the bus in terms of perception nationally and within the Big Ten. Um, but at the same time, the Big Ten is so respected in so many sports that – um, if we can see Rutgers really start to make progress and, and make NCAA tournaments and, you know, multiple sports per season, uh, it really would be a, a huge step forward. Yeah, I, I agree with on, on everything you said. For me, I kind of look at it like this. First and foremost, I'm excited about uh, the, the different facilities that are being brought up. Um, obviously, I believe the new practice facility for basketball and wrestling is, is due in July. And of course, you know, reaching that $100 million mark for Rutgers was huge. And that's going to go a long way in building uh, more facilities. Um, I broke it down as well in all the sports we talked about. Sports that need to turn it around. Football, obviously, is one. Men's soccer is the second one. And I even threw men's lacrosse in there as well. Yes, 7-7 seven and seven isn't too bad. But this is a program with higher expectations that expects more. I also said these teams need to show that this wasn't a, a fluke. You look at softball and you look at field hockey. Field hockey, uh, great success this year, more than they've had in the past couple of years. Prove it that it wasn't a fluke going into next year. And the same, th- same thing with softball. Softball reached high expectations very early on under Kristen Butler and now go into next season after, of course, this one ends, go into next year and show that you can remain consistent. Sports that need to take the next step, that's men's basketball, obviously. You know, this is a team that is going to be expected not just to finish over 500, but a team that is going to be expected to make an NIT. Hell, a lot of people, or at least a good amount of people, think this is a team that could compete for the NCAA tournament. And then sports that need to remain consistent, wrestling, women's basketball, women's soccer, and, you know, what more is there to say? These are three of the flagship programs um, at Rutgers, and with two national champions in wrestling, an NCAA tournament in women's basketball, and another NCAA tournament in women's soccer. These teams just need to keep on keeping on, keep on chugging along, and and really uh, leading a a revitalization of, of Rutgers athletics where not only are, are they expected to be towards the top of the of the country every year, but where sports are able to join them, such as men's basketball, softball, field hockey, and others. So I broke it down like that. There's so many exciting things happening at Rutgers. 2018-2019 was really a great athletics year. I'm very excited to see what 2019-2020 brings for Rutgers athletics. I, you know, Ups and downs aplenty this past year. Hopefully less downs going into next year, more ups, and hopefully those teams that I said need to turn it around, they're able to turn it around. Those teams that need to stay consistent, they do stay consistent, and we see a lot of winning on the banks next year. Aaron, thank you very much uh, for joining me on this episode. It's been a fun year of Rutgers Athletics. It's been a fun year of the On the Banks podcast. Of course, we look forward to all the wonderful guests we're going to have in year two now. And boy, do we have a lot coming your way. So make sure you tune in to episode 40 and beyond because we have great guests coming on. Aaron, once again, thank you so much for joining me and for helping me review this 2018-2019 Rutgers Athletics year. Thank you, Lance, for having me. Uh, I just want to end by saying, you know, for those that are uh, feeling like not enough progress has been made yet, you know, I really did want to emphasize, you know, this is only year five of being in the Big Ten, and I think it doesn't get stated enough how unprepared uh, Rutgers
Rutgers was as a department going into the Big Ten from a facilities perspective, um, from just uh, preparedness uh, all the way around. And I think, you know, Pat Hobbs has done an amazing job getting the department forward. And I think we're starting to see this year was so key and starting to see that, that things starting to bloom a little bit. And I think next year is so exciting, like you said, um, to see how things develop even further. But I think that, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a marathon here. It's not a sprint. And I think Rutgers is slowly but surely inching forward. And I think, you know, in the next two to three years, we could really see some major progress. And lastly, you know, I did want to thank um, – you know, the communications department, uh, athletic department, you know, with all their help and all the great guests we've had this season uh, and last year uh, with all the coaches and, and, and the support they've given us. So can't thank them enough, but that really is all the credit due to you, Lance. And thank you for everything and uh, can't wait for next year. A lot of great guests coming episodes 40 and beyond, but the 2018-2019 sports year is over for Rutgers. And all we have to do now is look forward to great success for the Scarlet Knights and all the programs in the 2019-2020 year here on The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.